Stoics to another episode of Meet the Modern Stoics. This is where today's leading Stoic advocates share ancient wisdom that you can apply for better living today. I'm your host, Scott Perry, creator of the StoicGuitarist.com. Get guided and go Stoic. Adopt the posture of a bulletproof creative, the mindset of a thriving artist, and deliver better work to the right people. Remember that Stoicism is a philosophy of action not navel-gazing. Listen to the wisdom delivered in this episode, and then apply it to your life, your work, and relationships today. Let's meet today's guest. Welcome, Stoic brothers and sisters, to another episode of Meet the Modern Stokes with our guest, Chris Gill. Chris, welcome to the broadcast. If you would, please introduce yourself to our audience, and if you don't mind, share a Stoic-related project that you're currently working on or excited about. Okay. Uh, well, it's a great pleasure to be talking to you and, and the group. Uh, I'm Chris Gill. I'm um, Emeritus Professor of Ancient Thought at the University of Exeter. Um, I've been working on Stoicism for many years and, and writing books about it, and I'm writing another book now on Stoic ethics and its potential contribution to, to modern, modern philosophy, modern uh, moral philosophy. That's one thing I'm doing that, that might be relevant to our discussion. The other thing I'm doing, I'm involved in um, revising the handbook for the, the upcoming uh, Stoic Week, Live Like a Stoic Week, that we have every autumn. And I've been working on that and, and rethinking rethinking that. So that's that's two two of the things that that I'm I'm interested in. And you actually are I mean the whole Stoic Week and Stoicon um, style events really came about from some of the work that that you did uh, in the the early twenty teens. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. Yes, it just started from a workshop, an academic workshop that we had at, at the University of Exeter. And some of us gathered together, um, uh, Donald, Donald Robertson and Tim LeBon, psychotherapist, Jules Evans, who writes on philosophical topics, um, and myself and a student, Patrick Usher, and, and uh, Jill Garrett, another psychotherapist. And we said we were just sitting there thinking, well, what could we do that isn't already done to bring stoicism closer to people, to make it more accessible to people? And actually, it was. Uh, my graduate student, Patrick Usher, who came up with the ideas of a Stoic Week, Live Like a Stoic Week, and also came up with the, uh, um, the idea of a, of a conference, an annual event, and we've been putting those into practice, the Stoic Week from 2012, and, um, and the Stoicon event from 2013, and they're still going strong. Yes, but so, well, gets getting stronger. And, well, getting stronger. And the blog, that was also one of Patrick's ideas. And the blog is very, you know, people look look at that a lot, Stoicism Today blog. So it's been it's been very exciting really to be involved in this. Um, at the kind of tail end of my <laughs> teaching career. 
<laughs> I don't have I don't have students anymore, but it's very nice to have this other outlet um, to to communicate about stoicism and other things. Well, I would argue, Chris, that we're all teachers all the time, and you are have been a teacher to me virtually um, up until this point. So uh, whether or not you are sitting across from a student or not, you are you are being very instructive and doing a great doing great work as a teacher. And I'm just curious as I listen to you talk about the development of Stoic Week and Stoicon. Um, obviously, you had i mean obviously you you see some value and virtue in stoic philosophy and a desire to advocate and proselytize and share that with other people i'd, I'd be curious to hear you know you obviously wanted to do that why did you feel that um making stoicism more uh more um, approachable and um raising raising its visibility was something that was important um uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put forward uh, two or three things that I think are really important in Stoicism in a minute. First thing I'll say is that although I quite like teaching, I also like learning. And we're all, as we're all teachers, we're also learners. And I feel I have actually a lot to learn about Stoicism too. Um, I think there's three things I'd like to identify that I think are really important and interesting about Stoicism. One is that Stoicism conveys very powerfully the idea that each of us have uh, the capacity, the agency to create, uh, to produce happiness for ourselves. And that's because happiness doesn't depend on acquiring material gifts, or it doesn't depend on, um, on success, um, or even on, the, on, the, you know, on whether our families um, are flourishing, it depends on, on the qualities of understanding and character that we develop. It depends on whether we develop what, what the Stoics call the virtues or not. So Stoicism believes that, that happiness is up to us. It, is, it falls within our, within our power. Of course, we can't just say, oh, well, I want to be happy and produce it, but we can, we can take steps to shape our lives in a way that does do that. So that's one thing. The other thing is that I think is very important, and not always perhaps picked up really, is that Stoicism believes that we're fundamentally social animals, that we, we are in, the, in this world with other people, and that we're motivated um, at, a, at a basic level and at a more advanced level to, to care for others and to, to exercise concern on their behalf. So, Agency is one thing, but sociability and care for others is, is another aspect of that. The third aspect that I think, uh, again, not always combined, these things are not always easy to hold together. The third aspect is the, the view that human beings are part of nature, that we're part of a larger economy of nature, and that we need to be aware of that. We are, we are animals, we are a special kind of animals, but we are, we are animals and we are part of the world and and not a kind of separate separate entity and we must be aware always of this larger context the context of nature and i think they believe that our agency and our sociability are all part of that of our being in nature so there are those three things that i think are really important and profound truths that one has to try to work to make sense of 
I think that's, I think that's very powerful medicine. And I think, um, I love the last thing that you said, you know, we're not the inherited inheritors of the earth, nor it's, um, keepers that we are a part of a whole, not just of the earth, but you know, of the cosmos itself. And then the first two things that you started with, um, it just seems like those are two things that the Stoics got right more so than any other ancient philosophy that we, what sets us apart is we are inherently rational creatures and we are inherently social creatures. And of course the social um, uh, prerogative is what enabled us to survive as a species. We survived because we've gathered and we solved interesting problems together and um, worked together, you know, to survive in a very hostile environment when we were neither the smartest, the fastest or the strongest. And then by cultivating, being social also helped us cultivate our rational nature. And that combination of things is what enabled us to kind of uh, develop, not, not just survive as a species, but, but develop as a species. And, and really, the, that's one of the things that always strikes me about Stoicism is without the scientific knowledge, uh, they, they got that part of it right. And what you said about happiness as being within our our personal happiness is something that is to a certain extent within our, our grasp and within our ability, I, I think is um, really profound. If um, So that's wonderful that you are able to articulate those three points. So, so clearly, and if, if you were to be engaged with an audience or with someone that maybe had very little or no understanding of stoicism, or maybe actually had a misconception of stoicism as being some made up of people that don't, that suppress emotions or deny emotions. What is, mm-hmm. what is a sort of like a one or two sentence, three sentence um, way that you might open the conversation and, and kind of define or describe what stoicism is? Well, I think I would say that stoicism is a way of reflecting on what is most important, what is most valuable. And that that Stoicism thinks that that on any given question, we should try and go to first principles. And and then, you know, and reflect on those. And that we should try and bring our lives into line with with our deepest principles and ideals. So I think that would be perhaps a a sort of one, one sentence. Um, because it's so easy to not to do that, you know, to deal with the, the trivial or the, or the, you know, the, the passing, the transient. Um, but Stoicism challenges us always to go to the deepest and, and most valuable features of us. Um, perhaps we'll talk a bit later about which Stoics I like reading, but one of the wonderful things about Marcus Aurelius is that he, each of his meditations does that. Each of those meditations is trying to take you to the heart of things and, and the most profound kind of messages. And I think that's, that's, that's a really powerful feature of, of Stoicism. It's, I enjoy that. It seems as though Stoicism is, is a call to try to achieve our potential as human beings, which means obviously achieve our potential as rational and social creatures. Um, and that, that, that is in part that path to happiness that you were talking about. Yes. I mean, happiness, of course, happiness is a tricky word because <laughs> happiness means different things to different people. And in the modern world, we tend to think of happiness in terms of a mood, it's a feeling, oh, you know, I'm happy today or I'm not happy today or I'm really happy because 
because, you know, I've got to be present or whatever. But, but happiness for them, for the Stoics, is a, a, more like a fact or a state. And happiness for them is, well, they call it the life according to nature. And the life according to nature, so it's a certain kind of life. And the life according to nature is the life according to human nature, which is, as, as we, we've just been saying, rational and social nature. And the life according to nature is also a life that gives you that, that gives you access to nature in another sense, because the deepest qualities of nature, the Stoics think, are, are, um, are structure, order, and coherence on the one hand, and also providential care on the other. So a happy life is a life that combines rationality and sociability, and a happy life is the best life for a human being, and a happy life is also the life that somehow embodies in its own way the best qualities, as it were, in, in the universe. So happiness, and they think, the Stoics think, that also makes you, as it were, feel good. There's nothing that's going to make you feel better than actually having those qualities, building up that character, building up that understanding, building up that, that affinity with nature. So it, it doesn't ignore feelings but it doesn't you know feelings have to come second feelings have to come second uh you can't just treat them on their own i always think of it as 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 uh, striving for a sense of tranquility and equanimity and gratitude and despite whatever the circumstances or situation there is and doesn't mean you can't briefly exult about a a victory or a a, a happenstance but you can't you can't dwell on that or that that's not the end goal that it's um you know what we're striving for is to um keep an even keel to a certain extent well yes i think it's not i wouldn't put it quite like i think they think that if you live up to yourself if you live up to your best ideals if your life really has that that quality that you're looking for of excellence of virtue then the tranquility comes, the tranquility comes. If you go looking for tranquility, you may not find it. it so there isn't a shortcut to tranquility. Um, tranquility comes if you are confident, if you, have the, if you have really committed yourself to the best life that you can live, then the tranquility comes. So I think, I think they would resist the idea that, that, that there's a kind of you know, method, a foolproof method, that you can conduct therapy for the for the emotions by kind of suppressing emotions or by trying to force yourself into into peace of mind. That's not going to work. It follows, though, from 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 achieving virtue and and the qualities that matter. You mentioned already Marcus Aurelius, and um, I am very curious as to. I'm not sure if he's your go-to Stoic necessarily, but I'd be curious as to. Um, you know, who, who is your go-to Stoic if you have one? And also, what primary um, either texts or, or even principles or practices would you recommend um, for somebody aspiring to a, 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 a bring some Stoic um, philosophy into their, into their lives? I think my go-to text would uh, have to be Marcus Aurelius, The Meditations. I worked on it. Uh, I lived with it for many years. And I think that they are, the meditations are wonderful in the way that they bring together 
so many of the Stoic themes in short, powerful uh, passages. So the, the, the importance of living a kind of life according to virtue, of exercising the power that we have, of relating to others, of seeing yourself as part of nature, those are all brought together by Marcus in one or two passages. So I think they are wonderful and, and you know, they're available in tra many translations and so on. I think Epictetus is also powerful um, and both the, the handbook and the discourses, uh, uh, you know, can really open up. They were intended for all sorts of people uh, and, and they can really open up Stoicism. I think if you're looking for something more, more specialized, Cicero has some very valuable works in his, his work on ends and on duties. And of course, there are many books uh, about Stoicism that, 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 that have been, you know, of different kinds. But I think I would be, if I was beginning, I would start with Marcus and with Epictetus. Interesting. That is exactly where I started. I, I was introduced to Marcus Aurelius by my seventh grade Latin teacher, who actually, when I graduated from high school, gifted me his personal copy of um, Meditations. And it was a book I read uh, annually for a long time before um, my real life kind of got in the way I became a lap stoic. Um, and when I came back, it was through Epictetus and then um, through some of the more modern texts. I, sorry if I can interrupt. It's of just course. In, in Marcus's meditations, he, he's thanking the various people who helped him develop his character and understanding of his life. And uh, one of them he thanks for, for giving him his copy of Epictetus. So it's, it's wonderful that a book given like that can, be, can open the door to, to, to Stoicism and, and other philosophies. Um, Sorry, that, oh, of course. No, absolutely. Um, it's, I think all of us, if we reflect back, uh, I mean, there's, there, whoever I am speaking to, if, if this subject comes up, I mean, there's always a teacher or teachers in somebody's life that just have uh, a profound impact on their development. One of the reasons that I became a teacher initially out of, uh, out of my uh, college experience was because of that very, that very person and, you know, the desire to have that kind of impact on, on other people. You raised the question out about how to what kind of practices and so on. I think um, for, for all this, I would really strongly recommend our Live Like, like a Stoic Week um, because it, what we try and do there is, is to set up a, a, a framework for the week which has certain themes and which th that uh, I, I'm looking at, at trying to revise the handbook with other people this year. And the theme I'm looking at is self-renewal, self-renewal and self-transformation, and trying to use the whole week as a way of looking at your life, looking at your life as a whole, reflecting on it, seeing how far your life matches your principles, what kind of change you need to make, how to make that change, um, how your relationships can be brought more in line with, with your principles and how you can think more about nature and the larger world we, we live in and how you can bring all that together. And it's by bringing all that together that you can achieve a kind of resilience, a kind of readiness for adversity. So that's 
that's the kind of, so I hope the whole week will be a kind of un, kind of flowering, if you like, of the self um, and an unfolding. And um, I should be very interested to see what the others uh, who, who work, Donald and others who work with me will, will think about this idea. Um, and, and you're also collecting some data around uh, the, the work that's done in this Live Like a Stoic Week and the, the handbook that you put together, is that correct? Yes, very much so. Everything that we've done, every Stoic Week since 2012 and certainly 2013, um, we have questionnaires and we're asking people to, to, to reflect on the effect of the Stoic Week on them and to answer certain questions, say how they felt uh, at the beginning, how they feel at the end. We correlate that with three measures of well-being. Um, and we've developed a new scale, uh, Stoic Attitudes and Behaviours scale, so that we can match Stoic principles, the holding of Stoic principles, and a sense of well-being and flourishing. So we're really working on that, and we'd like to do a lot more on that. And ideally to, to do that to, to high social science standards, because it's all very well, we think stoicism is good for you, but <laughs> we've got to try and show it and prove it. Mm -hmm. If we're ever going to get, you know, in Britain, the NHS, the National Health Service, to, to, to allow stoicism to inform psychotherapy, we've got to have some kind of proof. So that's one of the things we're working on. Um, uh, so that's very important to us. And it's never been done. This is completely new, this kind of uh, approach. Which, that's really interesting. I mean, to bring in that kind of more, um, I guess, scientific or empirical standard to the benefits and value and virtues of stoicism. But stoicism also has had an impact on some um, psychological schools, uh, Viktor Frankl and Logos Therapy. And, um, uh, well, we're going to have Debbie, uh, Dr. Debbie, uh, Jaffe Ellis here, um, whose husband obviously was um, the primary creator of REBT. So with or without hard data, um, obviously some very smart people that are healers of the mind of one sort or another have seen um, some value in um, Stoic philosophy. Do you know any, are there any particular bits of, of uh, or any particular Stoics that, that helped um, kind of shape those those psychological schools? Oh yes, I mean I think CBT was obviously shaped by Epictetus and Epictetus's view that what affects our, our, what affects our feelings is not so much events but the way we react towards events. Um, the early um, theorists of Ellis and um, um, they, they were very much influenced by, by that idea of Epictetus and indeed cited, quoted quite often. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Debbie will, will say more about that. So, yes, um, it was very influential on the start of CBT. Donald, sorry, Donald Robinson's written a wonderful book setting all this out too. By the way, just going back to the assessment, uh, I should say that Tim LeBon, who is one of our one of our group, he, he does these assessments every year and does an amazing job on putting these questionnaires together. So a credit to Tim <laughs> for that. Oh, well, I, I, I'm fascinated by just hearing bits and pieces about the, you know, the numbers that you're, you're already starting to collect. And I think it's, it's 
incredibly valuable and important work that that um, you and Tim and everybody is doing around you know that data collecting. So thank you for that. And it's, I think from I, I was when we were speaking to Gregory Sadler um, in this broadcast, you know, he was talking about he's writing a book about anger management and stoicism because that's his experience that he was, you know, yeah. a, a very angry man and that stoicism helped build in a little bit more balance and tranquility. And, and that, I, I've seen it um, as I've been diving much, much more deeper into a, a, a really deeper understanding of ancient stoic philosophy um, and putting those practices to use in my daily life. Um, I don't have any hard data, but uh, I think both my boys and my wife would say I'm much easier to get along with in the past year or two. <laughs> um, well, so, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I've in the, in recent years I've I've lost my wife, and uh, this year I've had quite a lot of of health problems. And I I would say that I think stoicism has also has been helpful to me in those ways. I've asked myself, well. You know, you're doing all this stuff with stoicism. Isn't it going to have any effect? Isn't it? You know, it, you kind of challenge yourself to to say, well, th this is it's real. You know, these things happen, and if you can, if your philosophy has any meaning to you, it must it must translate into your actions. And I I find it does. Um, although I'm very far from a stoic sage myself. <laughs> As are we all? Well, I'm curious. I I came back to Stoicism um, deeply uh, about two years ago on my 50th birthday, and I just had this like profound, like you know, mid mid-century mark, you know, uh, revelation that oh, it's it's at you know more than likely um, if it doesn't end sooner, my life is more than half over. And although I'm very grateful for what's played out so far. And I've been very lucky and I've been very blessed. I want to kind of proceed from here with a much more um, intentional plan and a much uh, and put much more thought into my motivation. And for whatever reason, meditations came up as the, the way to start that. Um, mm -hmm. As the way to start that. And one of the things um, that, and I'm just curious to, to hear, you know, based on what you just shared with us. I mean, for me, it's 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 making the most of the of whatever time is left and doing the most good, not for myself, but I mean, do I think a lot about? Um, I've I've been thinking for some time about legacy, which is one of the reasons why I went from being a performing musician to being a, a music teacher, um, and now as I'm kind of entering this domain and and trying to help creatives in general through through um, the principles and practices of stoicism it's that idea of what's what am i going to leave behind and i just actually posed this question to the uh, modern stoicism group i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this since i'm sure it's something that has crossed your mind you know as as we're approaching whatever the end is whenever it is um you know what are what are stoic thoughts and what are your thoughts about um what it's all for and what what kind of uh, legacy what's the the significance of legacy if any uh, well i think i think what well again perhaps i can refer to marcus on this uh, to marcus aurelius because he he wonderfully brings together the sense that in a sense we all live now we all have to live now at this very moment in time and it is by living now and by doing all we can now 
by trying to live up to our the best selves we can now that we can also confront really our mortality because that's the best way to to we have death occurs of course it will come but the best way to confront it is not to dwell on it but to to live life as fully and well as you can and that's also the best legacy that you can leave because you, the most effect you have on people really is is by who you are it's 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 not exactly what you do it's what you it's what you are and if you can share that in a way, then, then that's really the most you can do. So it isn't anything extra. <laughs> it's, it's just trying to live well. That, that's, what, that's what matters. I think that uh, is a profound point. And at the half hour mark, we're going, I think that that is the point at which um, we'll leave things. But I would li love for you to share um, whatever uh, site or blog or, or social media platform where, where can people here at the Sokatarst um, and elsewhere as this gets shared around the the, the internet where, where can people connect with you well um, I, I'm I'm involved with with others in the the modern stoicism movement and we have a, a site there which which um, where we, we talk about stoic week and and about the Stoic events and the Stoic blog, Stoicism Today, is a great forum for discussion and debate. Fantastic. I don't, I don't, I'm not a great blogger myself, but, uh, but, but I, through these forms, I hope, platforms, I hope we can communicate. Fantastic. Well, Chris Gill, thank you so much for not just your time with me here today and Meet the Modern Stokes, but for all of the great work that you have done to, um, again, advance and advocate uh, the modern Stoic movement and the, all the, the value and virt virtue that it um, has in, in modern life and, and helping people today. Chris, once again, thank you very much. We're going to go ahead and say goodbye. Okay, well, it's been wonderful talking to you and I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode of Meet the Modern Stoics? Then help me spread the Stoic goodness and leave a five-star review on iTunes. Tell a friend about the podcast or email me at scott at thestoicguitarist.com. Tell me what you think or who I should have on next. It's always great to hear from you. Remember, you can access all of the video versions of these interviews at thestoicguitarist.com. And while you're there, grab the free resource guide and checklist on how to become a bulletproof creative and a thriving artist in any endeavor or enterprise. Thanks for tuning in and for your support and participation. See you next time, fate permitting.